Kumite Radio is brought to you by Supplement Warfare. Visit their website, supplementwarfare.com.au for the best quality supplements on the planet. Use coupon code Kumite Radio at checkout to get 10% off of all orders. If you're trying to get sexy for the summer, if you're just trying to flex on fools, visit supplementwarfare.com.au for the best supplements in the world. Use coupon code Kumite Radio at checkout to get 10% off and support the podcast. Join me right now on Kumute Radio is Terion Ware. He'll be fighting on September 15th at UFC Moscow versus Marab Davasvili. What's up, Terion? What's going on? Chilling, man. How's it going? Good. Uh, before we get into that fight talk, I wanted to uh, ask you about a hot issue that's currently happening right now uh, with uh, Colin Kaepernick and the Nike situation. I've seen you post some things about that. Could you kind of... Uh, break down what your thoughts on this yeah man i think it's just i think it's honestly it's, it's really silly to people out there you know burning nike stuff they already bought i mean like that doesn't make any sense um it just seems like man in in the country and the world man everyone is just you know on their phones or on the internet just waiting to be triggered by something people are just getting upset for like no reason like did that man making money or making that ad doesn't you know, do anything to your life whatsoever. People are just getting mad about it. And I understand people are going to have opinions one way or the other, man. But when you go to the extreme of burning products that you bought and stuff like that and like more protests and say you're not going to buy Nike stuff, it's just ridiculous, man. So that's that's my take on it. I mean, I support um, the message that Kaepernick, uh, you know, is trying to get across. Uh, I've said it personally myself. It probably wouldn't have been my personal choice to do the whole kneeling of the national anthem. Um, just for me, I mean, from the time I was five years old, you know, playing Little League Baseball, the National Anthem is like something that, you know, uh, has always kind of been big for me. So I don't I, I don't I, I wouldn't have taken a stance on that. But at the same time, man, it's like we live in a we live in we're supposed to live in a free country where you have freedom of speech and be able to do things like that. And, um, you know, some of these same people I see complaining about these NFL players kneeling are not saying anything when the KKK is is marching in, in, in Washington, you know, so. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a touchy, it's a touchy topic, and you know, for most people, man. But man, just let people just be. As long as you're not hurting anybody, man, let people, you know, have their freedom of speech and and be it that, be it that. If it's a peaceful protest, leave it at that, man. Let people, you know, speak their minds, and you know, as as, as humans, I think we need to, you know, listen to each other, try to find common ground if we can, um, you know. But this whole just hate, hate, hate thing, man, it's not getting anybody anywhere. Yeah, it almost seems like. Burning Nike has become a joke now. People are just yeah, doing it just to do it. Yeah, people are just doing it for likes. They're doing it for they're doing it for posts. You know, it might have started off, you know, in the beginning where somebody was really, you know, really wanted to burn their Nikes, and then everyone was like, "Oh, well, I'm gonna." Because what I'm looking at, I don't see anybody really burning anything expensive. They don't look <laughs> brand new. These these things look like they've been used, so they're not even like. I bet you that they, they they have you know their Air Jordans in the, in their closet, still they're gonna rock the next day. So, you know, I think people are just doing it for likes and, you know, to get some viewership. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it, it's, it's it's all hilarious to me. Yeah, I see a lot of socks being burned. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about your last fight in London. Most people agree that you won that fight against Tom Dukenwall. How long did it take to get that bad taste out your mouth and move on? 
Honestly, man, it took a couple weeks. You know, for me, I'm not I'm not a sore loser, man. I I I I can I can accept loss. I can accept you know my downfalls, my failures. Get back in the gym and work on them. Um, I had worked so hard for that training camp, man. I had you know three significant injuries in that training camp that you know most people could have easily pulled out of the fight. I didn't want to pull out of the fight. I did you know physical therapy to try to get my body as healthy as I can possibly be. And you know, luckily I woke up the week of the fight, a fight week, you know, and, and, and pretty good health and being able to go out there and perform the way I did. Um, and to have that taken away from me, man, it was, it was, it was depressing. It was really, I, I was really depressed for a couple of weeks and, uh, wasn't sure, you know, at first, you know, right after the fight, if the yeah. UFC would bring me back, um, you know, I was able to talk to Sean Shelby after the fight and he assured me he'd bring me back. So that, that gave me a little bit of relief, man. But I saw at the same time I was depressed and, um, you know, by the time I got back home and I've been doing this for eight and a half years, kind of like nonstop, I've never really taken a break and, um, uh, I just needed a break. So I took, I, I, I took about two months off and I didn't really, didn't really train, train here and there to help some training partners out, man. But, um, just needed to take a back seat, spend some time with family and try to just kind of reevaluate, uh, my situation. And then, um, once I got tired of feeling sorry for myself, got back in the gym, man, and just, uh, just found a, a whole new love for the sport and just growing and, um, you know, just honestly just coming to terms with, you know, the fact that um, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Um, I love what I do. Um, and I just need to enjoy it no matter what. And uh, not so much put so much emphasis on the fact of wins and losses. I mean, as a competitor, for sure, I want to win, but also not, I don't want to forget to enjoy the ride while I'm doing it. I want to look back at the end of my career and maybe I accomplished my goals. Maybe I didn't, but I want to look back and, you know, you know, have the thoughts of the journey like man like i'm not smiling at any of it you know any of this stuff so um uh i think that's really just kind of helped helped me um just kind of find a uh, you know a new love for the sport and, and the fact that i just enjoy what i do every single day yeah that decision really highlights a big issue with mma judging is there a solution out there in your eyes yeah i think the the, the uh, a lot of times you know people um are quick to say that the judges are incompetent, which is very true. That's, that's, that, that is a part of it. You know, some of them come from boxing and don't really understand, you know, the full game of, you know, kicking and, and grappling and stuff like that. But I think the number one issue is, is, uh, accountability. We all know right now when we, when we're watching a broadcast or whatever, and they read off some of those judges who are going to score this fight, the main event or something, and you hear some of those names and we just go, Oh my God, you know, we know, so if we have, if these people have this stigma and we know, why do we continue to let them, you know, ref these fights, especially these big fights, you know, that, that have huge implications on them? If we know going in, like when we see their names, we gasp for air and hope that, you know, it either doesn't go to a decision or they don't mess this up. If they have that, you know, that negative thing linked to their name, why are we allowing them to continue to, you know, ref, you know, these fights? Um, get them out of there. Um, either get them out of there, you know, or, you know, reevaluate them, do something to where you educate them to where they're making better decisions. You know, um, you know, I'll give one example and I don't want to throw her name under the bus because I heard her, she's a very nice lady, but Adelaide Bird, you know, um, she's been on, you know, the, uh, uh, she's been in a lot of boxing fights, a lot of MMA fights where she's made some terrible decisions where it just goes completely, you know, the other way from what the other two judges saw. It's like, are you even watching the fight? And, um, you know, she's still allowed to, to, to do these fights. You know, I think this year or last year they gave her like a, like a, like some, some paid leave or something like that. But 
you know, if, I, if I'm a judge or whatever, and whether or not I'm corrupt or whether or not I'm just incompetent, if I, um, if I make a bad decision and nothing's done, what incentive do I have to, to do better at my job or to stop being corrupt if I can just keep getting away with it? And I think that's the biggest problem. That's the number one problem is not the, is these commissions not wanting to admit the fact that they're employing people who are doing a terrible job. Um, and then the number two thing is also incompetence. You know, um, these, you know, I know Big John, you know, we, uh, a couple of my, me and my teammates, we did a thing where he runs a referee seminar where he teaches, you know, referees and, and people how to judge. Um, and that's great. I don't see why won't we, why don't we do that a lot more often, you know, and, and some of the people that were, that were there for this seminar, they're already do great in themselves. They're pretty, they're pretty good. But I'm looking around the room and I'm not seeing the people that I normally see who are messing up fights. Like you guys need to be in there. You guys need to be trying to fix what's going on. So I think that's one way to try to fix it is to is to either re-educate them. Um, if they can't be re-educated, then we just got to keep them away, man. It's just like there's requirements for, for every job skill there is, you know, in life. Why aren't there certain requirements to be to, 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 to be a judge, especially when you're dealing with athletes who, you know, the difference. It can be the difference between making five hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, you know, for some of these these top five guys who get paid that much. I mean, we get a win bonus. We don't win because of some judge judges incompetence that's a lot of money being taken out of your pocket and i think it's just totally unfair i mean no other sport has to deal with that why should we exactly it must be nice to get paid leave for making a mistake and fighters right? when you make a mistake <laughs> you're sitting on the canvas knocked out or submitted and you lose and you go back and you don't get anything for that and you know it's just yeah, it's it's something that I think they really need to look at and and change it now, not you know a month from now. You know they just need to do it now. Um, now moving on, you played minor league baseball. It is known as a skills game. MMA is very similar in that aspect. What have you taken or developed while playing baseball and moved or transitioned over to mixed martial arts? Um, I think just the athleticism in general, um, especially with a sport like baseball. Um, it translates over so much to to just MMA, especially the, the striking part of it, even the grappling as well too, because uh, baseball is such a hip heavy um, sport where when you're swinging a bat, you have to have quick hips, fast hips. You're throwing a baseball, same thing. Um, so that transfers over to punching power. That transfers over to you know to being able to you know move your hips and grappling and stuff like that. Um, so I've definitely taken just the athleticism from that. But also just, you know, playing at, at, at a high level, you know, playing for a college program, playing for, for a professional, you, 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 you learn how to, you know, practice. You learn how to be a professional, um, how to conduct yourself and things that are expected you have at, at that level. So by the time I got to MMA, even as an amateur, um, try to conduct myself in that, in that same manner. A lot of guys who maybe didn't play any professional sports or college sports who just jump right into MMA – they don't really have that upbringing in terms of, you know, discipline and, and, and how things are done, how much hard work you have to put in, um, how much of the mental side, how much of the being a student of the game goes into it. Um, so I took all definitely took all of that from uh, from baseball into MMA. All right. Now you're going back to Europe, but this time to Moscow. Did you ever did you ever think that you'd be fighting in Russia? Um. I, I definitely hoped, you know, I mean, for, for me, like uh, I'm a, I'm a huge Rocky fan and that uh, Rocky four is probably my favorite. So, uh, you know, as a kid growing up watching that, 
Uh, I was like, I've always dreamed of like, yeah, go to Russia, fight, you know, and, and fight in Russia. That'd be cool. Uh, you know, they're hardcore fans. I'm a huge fan of Fedor. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I know it's a, it's a big country. They love the sport of MMA. And um, I, I just love passionate fans, man. Either way, whether they're booing me or whether they're cheering for me, man, uh, it, it's just a pretty cool, I think it'd be a pretty cool atmosphere. So um, I definitely hoped and like now having it, you know, come to fruition is pretty cool. Maybe you could do the whole Mr. T concept you when go. you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> I got the I got the mohawk going already. For sure, you know, like I would love to see that. That would be great. Yeah. Um, you're facing another European prospect, Marab. How does he stack up against your previous adversaries? Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, not taking anything away from him. I, I think he's a great fighter. Uh, but I think the, the the previous two guys are some of the you know the best three prospects in the division. Guys that are going to be in the top ten. I mean, Cody Stamen, I think is already in the top ten already as it is. He's fighting um, Aljamain Sterling. Um, you know, this weekend if he wins that, I mean, he's probably one or two wins away from a title shot. Um, and he definitely has those kind of skills. Um, same thing with O'Malley. O'Malley's going to be a star. Um, you know, Tom is you know is a guy from you know from France, and it's a from, uh, MMA is illegal in France, and I love really banking on him trying to build that with him. Um, you know, so those are three of the, three of the, the hottest prospects that, that um, you know, that uh, that the UFC kind of has to offer right now, and I, and I face those guys. So um, I, I don't think Marab is quite there. I mean, he could be. It's going to be basically up to him or whatever the case may be. Uh, but um, I definitely think he's, you know, the lesser of those of, of, of those three guys. You've been splitting your time at Fight Science, between Fight Science and Black House. Uh, I know at Black House, there's a bunch of guys getting ready for big fights. How is the environment over there right now? Uh, it's a shark tank, man, and that's what you want. I mean, you, you know, the old cliche adage goes, is iron sharpens iron, and it couldn't be any more true. I mean, you, you can't show up to, to a Black House training session, um, you know, not on your A game, otherwise you're going you, you're gonna to leave, you know, with with a bad day, pretty much you're gonna be leave you know leave pretty feeling pretty bad for yourself. So you, you show up and it's kind of that um you know uh you, you know we we've all I've been training with those guys for a while, so we all you know a lot of us you know you know kind of have that camaraderie. So we're not out there to hurt each other or anything like that. It's not that type of atmosphere where guys are knocking each other out, but it's that it's still a competitive atmosphere because you're not those guys are not necessarily your regular teammates, and some of the guys are coming in. So it gives you kind of that fight atmosphere that you have to go in day in and day out where, you know, you need to get used to that, you know, because some guys, you know, they show up on fight day in the gym, they're great, but in the fight day they get those nerves because they're just not used to that, you know, that animosity or, you know, maybe your opponent looks at you in a certain dirty look or something like that and it kind of gets you either too riled up or it gets you nervous. So being in that kind of atmosphere on a day-to-day -day basis, man, you're going to war and you know you're going to have to put in your put in your a game you know they got some of the best wrestlers coming coming down there and just doing wrestling so you're on wrestling practice you're, you're wrestling with guys that are division one are going to be division one i mean there's an eighth grade kid in there you know kids 13 years old and he's taking down grown men you know that's the type of level of guys that you that you have in there um on a day-to-day -day basis and um, um it's just been great for my career and um you know they're right down the street for me so i'm lucky i'm lucky to you know have a, such a high level gym like that you know, um, you know, not many guys have that opportunity to be able to train at a place like that. So it's great. Has wrestling been a focus in this camp or has it always been a focus since you've been at Black House? Um, it's been a focus, you know, from since the start of my career. Because for me, I come from a striking background. I've been doing Kyokushin karate since I was five. Um, I did uh, amateur boxing when I was in high school as well. So striking has always come natural to me. So I didn't start doing any kind of grappling until I started MMA, which was eight years ago. 
And um, so it's always been the focus of me trying to catch up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to these guys who've been wrestling since they were five years old, you know, doing jujitsu since, you know, they were in their, you know, the early teens. Uh, but definitely as, as, as going to Black House, that's, that's definitely been a main focus. I mean, you know, you have top-notch, you know, coaching there from Kenny Johnson. Um, you have a black belt in, uh, in jiu-jitsu under Hickson under, uh, with Kevin Casey. you got guys like Bubba Jenkins, you know, one of the best collegiate wrestlers, you know, to ever do it. Um, and you got countless guys coming in there, you know, getting instructions from those guys. You know, these guys are, you know, they're, 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 these guys are, you know, JUCO, you know, champions, you know, uh, future Division One, you know, champions, All-Americans and stuff like that. So, you know, going in there, it's, it's, it's hard not to, you know, get on the mat and not, focus, not, not be focused on, on that because, you know, you want to, wherever you can go to get the, the best um, from any aspect of MMA, that's what you want to do. And, and wrestling is definitely one of the, one of the better places at Blackout, what you can get at Blackout. So that's been a main focus of mine in going to Blackout, but also just sparring, you know, some of these killers, man. We have tons of UFC guys, tons of Bellator guys, guys in the professional fight league, guys that are in LFA, um, guys that are champions, man. So you're just in, in there. It's, it's, a, it's, like I said, it's a shark tank. With that said, you still go back to your home, fight science, work with your head coach. What have, what has been some of the things that you've been working on with him? Um, just continue to, to round out my game. You know, my coach Ian Harris, and then um, and then uh, my other coach, my boxing coach, and uh, Adam um, Adam Lerner. You know, they've been with me for a while. They know my my game inside and out. Um, and uh, I mean, those guys have just developed me into a real rounded fighter. Um, they know what I need. They 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 you know they suggest you know we go here, we go there, and do these things. Um, and um, I just been working on just rounding out my game. You know, Ian Harris is you know uh, great jiu-jitsu um, coach as well too. Um, but he's been around the game training, you know, fighters like Dan Hardy, Chad George, he's trained a ton of guys, he's been around the game for 20 years. Uh, you know, Adam Lerner's been around some of the best boxing minds that there is in the sport. Um, so those guys just round out my game very well. They know me very well and they can they get the most out of me. All right. One last question before I let you go. You know, this this sport is about wins and losses at the end of the day. You know, you guys are both going into this this fight on losing streaks. Has that dynamic pushed you further mentally in training? Oh, one hundred percent. You know, um, the UFC has always been the goal from the day one that I that, that I started. Um, I, I, I want I want to be able to compete in the um, in the biggest organization in the world, and uh, this is what's on the line. Um, <coughs> it's it's pressure, but <coughs> pressure can do two things: it can bust pipes or it can make diamonds. And for me, whenever I'm under pressure, I think that's when um, I, I, I perform at my best. Um, so this training camp is just, you know, that's been in the back of my mind. I'm not letting it, you know, deteriorate me. I'm not letting it depress me or get me down or, or, or worry. I'm just going to go on there. I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to bring the fight. I'm going to fight as hard as I can. And at the end of the day, that's all I can do is lay all the chips on the table. And, um, and I plan on going out there and getting the job done and getting the finish.